Hello and welcome to this edition of Deeper. It's great to have you with us. And uh, we're going to talk about the passage from Sunday, aren't we, Beck? We are. And what is the passage? Uh, Acts chapter 17, and it's verse 16 to 32. So why don't you uh, pause the video, have a little read of that, and then come back to us. Great. So uh, I preached on Sunday, um, and I, I always like to be mean to Beck. So Beck, what did I preach on on Sunday? What was my, what was my sermon? You were talking about Paul in Athens and speaking a bit about um, culture. And so we were, we were still on stumbling blocks and we're thinking about how our culture can be a stumbling block and how we speak well into culture. Yeah, that's not bad. I also talked about some principles about how we could do that that Beck seems to have forgotten. But there you go. <laughs> Lots of people forget my sermons. Very forgettable. No, no, it wasn't. It was great, actually. And those principles were really good. So do go and have a look at it. Okay, so we're going to look at this passage. Um, and we're going to do it in a few little different chunks. I'm going to start off just with verse 16, kind of the introduction to the whole passage. Uh, do you want to go first on this bit? What do you see here? What's going on? Okay, so Paul is in Athens and he's been uh, looking around uh, and it says he's greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Um, so Athens is sort of um, a bit past its best here. It's sort of a little bit past its heyday. Um, it had been the sort of intellectual centre of the world and it was in, in a bit of decline. Um, but it had this famous university, so it was sort of trading on its reputation. Um, and Paul had come there and, and sort of found that it was a bit lost, I suppose, really, and a bit sort of all over the place in its ideas. And um, so he, um, he sort of comes into this conversation um, and, and Athens was still a sort of hive of conversation around cultural ideas and philosophy um, and religion and paganism. And he sort of starts to interact with all of these different ideas. And the key thing about Athens at that time as well is that um, it was filled with idols. And that's the thing that kind of got to Paul, isn't it? You know, he um, there's, there's two things around the kind of Greek words. First of all, the thing about Paul being distressed, it's, it's much more... Uh, angry than that, in fact, kind of painfully angry. Um, that he, he looked around, it, was, it pained him to see all these idols. Uh, and when it says full of in uh, the English translations, um, the, the Greek kind of almost implies a forest of idols. Mm -hmm. uh, if you look at some of the backgrounds at the time, uh, there were some streets where it was actually almost impossible to walk down because it was so full. <coughs> of these statues and idols all the way along the streets. So uh, this, this is quite an intense um, experience that Paul's having. So one of the um, commentaries that, that I looked at describes this as Paul's encounter with cultured paganism. Um, and I really liked that phrase because mm -hmm. I thought it reminded me a little bit of our own culture, this, this sort of um, cultured, ed educated, um, pluralistic, culture of, of lots of ideas um, a little bit past its sort of peak perhaps and yeah. um, there's there's some things there that I think resonate with me about our own culture and um, that's Paul starts to speak into and identify and uh, so let's move on to the second part let's look at verses 17 to 21 um, and so uh, Paul does what he normally does he starts in the synagogue um, because Paul goes to where the religious people are, but just as a place to start. 
but then he kind of widens that, doesn't he? And um, he starts then in the marketplace. Uh, and he has this kind of natural ability, doesn't he? He can re relate to uh, the religious people. He can relate to passers-by in the marketplace. And then he gets drawn into this debate with very sophisticated philosophers uh, who long to hear something of what he is saying. And anything that you want to comment on in this passage? Um, so this this was a, the culture of the day. So Paul, you know, Paul heads straight to the people who um, you might expect him to find a reception with, to find some debate with. But the, there's all this debate going on. It's such a huge part of what's happening in the city, what people are there to do. They want to ask these questions. Um, and Paul, it's it sort of a little bit parallel with Socrates, this idea of being willing to argue with anyone. Um, and yet they don't really consider Paul to be um, of the standard to be no. in these debates, do they? No. Um, so it's well, really well, what they call him, they call him a babbler. Yeah. Which is hilarious, isn't it? You know, Paul, you know, we consider, you know, a great preacher, they considered a babbler because of the ideas he was propagating. And so the, the word here for, that Luke uses is, is sort of really preaching rather than debating and Paul's Paul sort of coming from a different approach to maybe mm. some of the way that people were used to communicating. Absolutely. And um, yeah, the thing that we should be encouraged by here is that, you know, Paul, who we consider uh, a great evangelist, a great apostle, uh, this was not a receptive audience for him. You know, he was struggling to get the message across. Uh, they were a bit abusive towards him, calling him a babbler and all that kind of stuff. Um, and they weren't catching on to some of his ideas. So, you know, they talk about, he's talking about foreign gods, plural. Now that could be, he'd mentioned Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Or well, here in the passage we see, he talks about Jesus and the resurrection. And uh, the Greek word for resurrection is anastasis, and that could be deemed to be a, uh, a goddess because it's, it's a kind of a feminine uh, word. And so maybe they were misunderstanding some of the things that he was saying and thought he was talking about more than one god. Uh, and so there's a lot of clarification he's having to do here. So if you ever get confused or people are confused when you talk about Jesus in some way, happen with Paul, okay? So don't worry about it. Good company. Yeah. Um, so it mentions two particular sort of um, schools of philosophy in the passage. Um, and so Epicureans sort of have a quite materialistic mm. outlook. Um, they either didn't really think the gods existed or, um, or didn't think that they really interacted with the world in, in such a way that maybe the other pagans would have believed. Um, but they also had this sort of ethical outlook of um, pleasure and tranquility. And again, I just think that really resonates with our own culture, doesn't mm. it? That, that people are sort of like, look, just let everybody find their own place, find their own happiness, live and let live kind of approach to ethics. And um, this sort of, you know, God, if God really doesn't really care about the the little things in our lives. He's cool with people finding their own place. Um, and then we've got Stoics, which is a much more sort of reason-based um, approach to the universe and sort of almost scientific um, ideas form the basis of that really. Um, and, and so they would have been more um, 
sort of individualistic maybe in their outlook and so we, we, there are some real overlaps between That's right. the and there's quite a lot of people today who um who actually follow a lot of stoic ideas um and yeah I, there's a few people on uh, instagram that i follow for other reasons uh but i know they talk about uh reading uh, books by Stoic writers. So it's quite interesting that that is kind of a common thing, but not common. It's, a, it's certainly a contemporary thing. Um, and of course, they, they take him off to this place uh, for debate, um, which is the Areopagus, uh, which was a hill, otherwise known as Mars Hill, that's what the word means, or the Hill of Ares, which is another name for Mars. Uh, which is the, of course, the god of Mars. Uh, and I love what it says in verse 21, that the people of Athens loved the debate. They loved to discuss the latest ideas. And, um, and you know, sometimes that's what today is like. You know, what we discussed this week, we'll be discussing something else next week. We'll have forgotten about it this week. Uh, you know, all of the things that we think are important, what's on the news, suddenly gets forgotten and we follow the latest fad. So let's go on to the next uh, section, which is verses 22 and 23, uh, which is how Paul starts. Where do you want to start with that? Well, so he starts off by commending them for being very religious. And so he's, we heard in verse 16 that he's quite distressed by this sort of plethora of idols all around the place, but he doesn't start off by sort of attacking their approach to um, religion, but commends them for, you're searching for something, let me see if I can help you reveal to something Mm. um, here. And yeah, that's something I picked up on in the talk, you know, that he starts positively and that should be a place that we always start with evangelism. Um, but I love that, you know, it's quite clear he'd, he'd listened, he'd learned, uh, he'd discovered things about the, ta- the city and about the people of the city and that enabled him to speak into the situation and share the good news. Um, and the, the whole thing about the, the statue to the unknown God is interesting, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, one of the things I read was that um, they, the, the people of Athens were really keen to make sure that they covered all their bases in terms of gods, that they had every god covered. And so having a statue to the unknown god meant that they could pray to whoever we've forgotten kind of thing uh, and to make sure that they were blessed by that god too. But uh, Paul sees that and thinks that's the opportunity. And he uses the ignorance about this unknown god to talk about his God, the mm. real God. Um, and that ability to sort of pull in the bits that they do have and harness it to, to point them to God is, is really, really mm. useful, isn't it? Yeah. That's a real skill to be able to sort of take this thing that you sort of know and you're looking at and point it over here. Um, Let's move on to verses 24 to 28. Um, which is what Paul actually starts to say. Um, which, and uh, the next two sections are really interesting what he focuses on. So what do you see in that first section, 24 to 28? So I think we've talked a little bit when we've, we've been looking at telling a better story about bridging the gap for people. And that's mm. what Paul starts to do here is taking some of their language and ideas and then translating it to, to what he really knew all about, to his Jewish... Um, knowledge of God. Yeah, and it, what he does, he points them to, uh, instead of this plethora of gods around them, that God is the one supreme God, that you know, our God is the only God. 
Uh, and he kind of draws them into this idea that God is more relational than they think. You know, they're used to worshipping statues and idols and all that kind of stuff. And yet God is, is much more than that. And he points them to that. He points them to, the, uh, to God being the supreme being over all things. And particularly, I think he's saying here, over what they consider to be the independence of humanity. Because these are all sophisticated thinkers who want to make their own way in life. Uh, and Stoicism is a bit like that. Um, and yet he's pointing to the fact that you know, God sets the boundaries of, of nations and he's, he's involved in, in the world. And he talks in those terms, I think, very specifically. And sort of points them to, to a God bigger than the thing that they, they've been accepting, you know, that mm. you're worshipping these things that you make. Like, what about if God was bigger and more powerful and than yes. the, to kind of interact with these things? And the thing that I see there's, there's a bit of a contrast where it talks about kind of you're serving idols that you've made yourself, and yet God serves us by giving us life and breath. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of this contrast of what you're giving to idols and what God is giving to us, which I think is a really interesting contrast. He, he's turning a lot of things on the, on the head here. Um, and of course, within this, he points to their own poets. You know, this is where he, um, his learning and his listening really comes in. He says, you know, even your own poets say this. And he points to the fact that this is already within your culture. It's a good thing. But I'm now pointing you even further on that, taking you further on the journey. Should we go on to the last section, 29 to 32? Uh, What do you want to say about that? Oh, okay, I'll start, okay. Um, So he encourages, again, this kind of relational aspect of God um, and then focuses on two things, judgment and resurrection. And I say in the the talk, you know, he doesn't hold back on what the good news is. He's quite clear about it and he talks, you know, about judgment and he talks about resurrection. Uh, I don't know about you, but if I was kind of in that situation, they, they might not be the places I'd start. I want to talk about the love of God, maybe, or something like that. Um, but here in this place that is so full of idols, he talks about judgments and about the needing to, to repent, to turn away from those things and to turn to God. Uh, and then the resurrection. as the resurrection that sparks the debate uh, and the interest and the curiosity of some of those around him. Not all of them, though. Because, you know, some of them think he's still babbling and uh, talking nonsense. There's also sort of a a contrast here between it it doesn't look like Paul's particularly on trial, although his ideas are being debated, but the Areopagus is is also used as a sort of court. It's a Mm. place where ideas and people are judged. And so setting up this higher judge in this context of this sort of legal um, system is is really something really powerful that Paul's doing, saying this this is bigger than all of these idols, all Jesus's ultimate judge. incredibly powerful like harnessing of ideas in in that context okay we're going to go a little bit wider and think about what some of this means for us so what does all this mean for us as we just live our life here and now in the 21st century so uh where do you want to start on that beck 
So I think uh, the thing that I observe here mostly is that Paul is um, he's skillful at engaging with culture. He's careful about uh, listening to it. Uh, and that was something you really picked up yesterday, wasn't mm-hmm. it? The importance of listening. Absolutely. And yeah, I think we, we really should be, I think, much better at understanding our culture. You know, Christians should be, if we're to really share the good news, then we need to be able to understand what we're sharing the good news into because we'll need to look for connection points. So that is a, that's a really key point. Um, but you go to the next one. So um, again, it, carrying on from that really, uh, he draws out the things that they're interested in, the questions they're already asking, the mm. things they're already doing, and sort of connects them to this picture of God that he's painting, and um, this God who they're searching for. Um, and think that, that again is this real skill, isn't it, of listening and being becoming aware of what mm. are people looking for, where are people searching, and how do we speak into those things? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that kind of brings my next point is that even having done that, uh, this was still a tough audience for him. And imagine how tough it would have been if he hadn't done it. Uh, And that's often the place that we're in. We haven't done the work of engaging with culture and thinking about what people are connecting with. And that's why maybe we find it so difficult to share Jesus. Uh, But we should be encouraged that you know, Paul has this incredible ability to speak into the synagogue, the marketplace, the debating chamber. Uh, but this was still tough for him. And we will always find it tough in places. Um, but the more we engage with culture and think about what people are connecting with, the easier it gets. Uh, what's your next point? Um, just that, that Paul isn't intimidated by this plurality of ideas. Sometimes I mm. think we look at it and go, well, I can't possibly speak to all these different things. But but Paul... Um, He's not put off by it. He just take. He's bold in um, sort of turning things to Jesus. And I think sometimes we don't need to understand everything about every idea. We just need to understand Jesus and keep finding those connection points, Absolutely. rather than having a complete knowledge of every idea. Yeah. And you know, when, when we talk about engaging with culture, that can seem a bit overwhelming. You know, we talk about science, we talk about art, we talk about music, we talk. Yeah, you know, what are we talking about? Well, find the things that you're interested in and get to know all sorts of things. So I'm, I'm interested in music. I, I kind of keep up on, you know, what's, uh, what's kind of current and where the music's going and what are the lyrics about and all that kind of stuff because that interests me and that gives me connection points to other people. So I'd encourage you, don't be overwhelmed by it. Just focus on what you enjoy doing and finding out about. Um, and I think within all of that, you know, what Paul did is, despite the fact he's aggravated by what he sees around him, and despite the fact he's got battling against a, a really tough audience, uh, one of the things that the principles was yesterday was, you know, we should always respond in grace. And Paul doesn't come at the philosophers out of a sense of anger or defensiveness. He simply shares the good news in, in as much as he can. And we should always be prepared to do that. Paul didn't hold back on the good news, and neither should we. Absolutely. So let's think about some questions for you to consider in your groups. Okay, so we've got four questions for you to consider in your mission communities. Uh, why don't you go with the first one? 
Okay, so um, thinking about Paul's experience of walking around Athens and being distressed by the things that he sees, what distresses you about the town where we live? Mm. What, what do you think needs to be addressed? Good question. Uh, second question is this, uh, in what ways can we learn more about the culture we live in? What can we do to learn more? Um, why do you think Paul focuses on the resurrection in this passage of all the things that he could have said in this kind of great debating of ideas? Why do you think resurrection is what he chooses mm -hmm. to focus on? And the final question for you is this, uh, what holds you back uh, from sharing what you really believe with others? Uh, we all have little things that hold us back, some aspects of the faith that we find difficult to talk about. Uh, just think about you know, what, what does hold you back? about sharing what you truly believe with those around you. Okay, so that brings us to the end of Deeper, and we've got our final uh, in terms of the sermon series coming up on Sunday, which is looking at the whole area of evil. Uh, so it'll be the last one in our sermon series, our entire sermon series of telling a better story. Uh, there'll be no Deeper next week, because Beck and I are away at New Wine, so uh, we can't uh, do Deeper while we're away. Well, we could try to, we but it wouldn't be very good. try and take the shed with us. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> that's not going to work. Um, so there won't be any deeper next week, um, but we'll try and start doing deeper again the week after that. Uh, so do please uh, check up on uh, John Sexton's sermon uh, as he looks at the problem of evil and how that we can overcome that as a stumbling block. So uh, have a great week, and we shall see you again very soon. Take care now. Goodbye. Bye.